Emily Bolt. I'm an actor, teacher, and a new mom. Once I became pregnant, I went on a hunt for answers to all my questions about being a working actor mom. And what did I find? Practically nothing. So here I am asking all the questions to try to figure out how people do it. How are mothers balancing and not balancing? parenthood in this crazy industry. Join me and my amazing guests as we take a real look into the lives of working moms in the entertainment industry. On today's episode of Mommy Wood, we are talking to Sam Gudstad, who is an actress, content creator, a writer, a podcaster. You got to listen to her podcast where the bodies are buried. Uh, she is the other half of Don't Call Me Mommy. She is a mom of three, and she is a fashionista to say the least. She is always so stylish while being so busy. I don't know how she does it, but I talk to her and try and figure out a little bit, a little insight into how she does it all. Um, I love talking to Sam. It was really funny. I say at the beginning of the episode that it's really full circle because I used to help uh, teach a little music class to her boys um, at the preschool that they went to, which was so funny and interesting because, of course, feeling like such an outsider, being not a mom yet at the time, being one of the teachers, and now being in those classes as a mom is so bizarre. It's very strange for me. But besides the point, talking to Sam was so great. It was interesting hearing her where she started and how she got to where she is now and the difference in how her youngest daughter is being um, brought up as opposed to her two sons as because now they are more financially stable than they were with her two young, uh, two older boys. So it was really interesting to hear what she had to say about kind of going through the gambit of um, financially with having children. So that was really uh, cool to hear her perspective on being on both sides of the coin. Also, I thought it was so sweet that her full-time nanny now is the woman who's been with them from the very beginning with her first son. They have gone from having her from like two days a week uh, to now she's full-time. So again, that's another one of those things, the difference um, uh, of being financially far more stable and having more of that help. We talk about how after having her second son is really when her career shifted and all these things started to change for her and that she was able to use becoming a mom to really push forward her career and her creativity and allow her to use her creativity and use all these insane, crazy things that nobody tells us um, about being a mom to 
and and use comedy to um, to get through it all, basically. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. It was so wonderful having Sam on this podcast and I appreciate her being on the podcast so much. She's so lovely. So please enjoy this episode of Mommywood with Sam Gutstead. <laughs> I needed to shower. Yeah. I was late yesterday, did Mother's Day, slick the hair back. I was like, oh my God, I need to wash my hair. Yeah, for sure. Um, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. This is very full circle from me doing um, Mr. Parker music classes with you at Piper. Yes, like very. I love it. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, So I'm just curious about your whole experience as a mother and being in the industry and how you, what your background is and just everything. Um, will you just like start me off with um, like, what's your background and like, where are you originally from and coming out to California and all that? Yeah. And I'll, yeah, because motherhood is a big impact on kind of where my pivot happened. So I'll start yeah. Um, I grew up in Toronto, Canada. Um, I was actually a competitive tennis player from a young age. I did dance as well. And I, at the age of five, I came home from like camp and told my mom I wanted to be in commercials. And like, it's Toronto. It wasn't LA where there's an industry. My dad's a lawyer. My mom's a teacher. They're like, what? <laughs> but they put me in like a modeling class or like some, some acting modeling class. And I started to book jobs. I was five. And then I stopped. And then... At around 14, I started professionally acting and doing print work. So that was oh, kind of my beginning. I had the little start at five. And yeah. then at 14, I really like went for it. And yeah. um, my mom put me in, I actually really wanted to do comedy. So I, I went into a teen second city class. Oh, cool. Where I learned improv. And that's where I really developed my like passion for comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really was getting cast. I did a lot of print. I mean, gosh, I've been on like, 50 Harlequin book covers. I did voiceover. I did like um, a lot of clothing ads, um, lifestyle print. I did a ton of commercials and I did theater in Canada, Toronto specifically at the time, I feel like as an actor, you were able to like do a lot of different things. Like it wasn't as narrow until I got to LA. Cause I was like a theater actor, a voiceover actor, a commercial actor, a print model. Like it was everything. Yeah. Um, and I did that. I did that really professionally from 14 until 25, 26 in Toronto. Um, I went to film school. So I actually got to learn while I was still professionally acting and modeling. I got to learn a lot about production, writing. Um, I mean, it was four years of like the most fun making movies, <laughs> undergrad degree. Um, and I realized I loved writing That's and producing. Yeah. I as a producer, but I really enjoyed writing and creating um, taking an idea and bringing it to life. It felt like birthing a baby and I wasn't a mom yet, but it reminded me of that feeling. Like you're starting with nothing and you create this amazing like baby. Yeah. And then, um, I got married at like 24 and my now husband, who was my fiance at the time, um, I got a movie in LA and shortly during that time we got married. So it was like, we'd been married for maybe three, four months. 
And I got my O-1, which is like a visa as a Canadian to come over to the States. Very hard to get. You have to prove extraordinary ability in your field, which is hilarious. Wow. <laughs> hearing like Mike Myers had gotten it and like all these other big Canadian like comedians. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in the same category as them now. So I have O-1. <laughs> yeah. And so came to LA. Um, I was set up with a manager here through my Canadian agent. So I was in good hands. Okay. Yeah. Right away, same. I started booking movies, but not comedy. It was all thrillers. I was grateful to be working. I did like movie, 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 movie. Um, I did a lot of commercials right away as well. So I was making money, but something in me wasn't satisfied. And I think it was because I was still dying to A, write and create. And I was tired of the process of like, auditioning, waiting. Do I get the part? Do I not get the part? It's, it is even a character I'm like dying to play, but it's money. Like it was this very interesting play because I wanted to be grateful to be working, but then it wasn't exactly what I wanted to be doing, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to be picky because I know it's such a hard industry. So that was kind right. of up until motherhood. That was where I existed. I was working and I was making a good living, but I, I kept feeling like something was missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was when I had my first kid that it all clicked into place. Cause I remember having the thought, do I really want to fly somewhere for a couple weeks and film something I'm not excited about and leave this baby? And I remember being like, no. And it was a very big moment for me because it was such clarity and it refocused me. Yeah. And that's where I started creating and writing some of my own stuff. I was really floored with motherhood and how it really like 180'd me. I was like LA party girl. I was going out. I was really networking, (laughs) really being in the whole Hollywood game. And as soon as I had my first son, I was like, I just want to live in this. This is what I meant to be. This is my favorite role yet. You know, like it was life-changing. And I think I had so much content spilling out of me because it was so hard. I think motherhood, parenthood is one of the most universal leveling playing fields for everyone, because no matter where you live, what you have, we're all going to go through the similar struggles. You're you're raising a little human and no matter how you're doing it. And all of a sudden, like your heart exists outside of you and you love this little person so much. Mm -hmm. And So yeah, out of that came a lot of comedy based on real hard like moments. Cause I always was like, if I'm not laughing, I'll be crying. And I think comedy, comedy is time and pain. And then that's, you can get comedy out of that. Like in that perspective, looking back. And I wanted to also reach a community at the time of like parents. So it was then around that time that I I started creating my own comedy, writing, producing, still like auditioning and trying to make money on the side with like other stuff. But that's when I really started. And then it was after my second kid that all of that took off. Like that's when I started a blog. That's when I stopped writing for other people's blogs and started my own. I was also working at a magazine during that time. Oh, wow. Everything I learned and kind of like, took my Instagram off private. It was after my second kid that I launched Insta- like social. Yeah. And that was the beginning. So that was 2015. And now I'm really excited to say that I am getting to do all the things I wanted to do when I first came to LA because I'm playing the characters I want to play. 
I'm doing multiple series that are branded for as much money or more than I was doing like through TV and film and commercials. Yeah. One of my campaign deals is as much as I would make for a commercial, but guess what? I got to write it. I'm doing the creative. I'm in it. I'm shooting it on my own time. I'm not doing a 14 hour day for a 30 second spot. And again, I'm grateful for those, but now this is like my baby that I'm birthing again. So it's like my film school combined with all the acting stuff I was dying to do and chomping at the bit for comedy. And it's been so much fun. And and I know that the industry keeps evolving and changing and we all have to keep evolving and pivoting. Sure. It's funny that motherhood inspired the biggest pivot career-wise for me. Yeah. Hollywood story in a nutshell. I feel like I went and took a really untraditional path, but I'm so happy I did. Yeah. Um, And I feel like I almost like created a job that wasn't even a job at the time. Yeah, that's that's awesome that you were able to use all of the things that you love (laughs) and combine them into one. Um, Will you remind me how old and the names of your kids? Yeah. So you have the two boys and the girl. Yeah. So Ryder is going to be 11 this summer. Oh my God. He's like a pre-tween. Wow. Asher is going to be nine this summer and Eden is going to be two this summer. And yes, I have three kids all born within like a couple weeks of each other. So summer is bonkers. Oh boy. Yeah. It's always summer. I feel like so many babies are just born in the summer. It's crazy. Well, I figured it out. I did the math because I love doing this game because me and my brothers were all born in the fall and me and my brothers would be like, yo, parents, clearly like New Year's was a moment for you guys. And so for me, <laughs> it's my birthday month. Like we would just make babies in my birthday month. I don't know if it was me being yeah. like, I'm getting another year old. We need to do this. But like, clearly, if you do the math, I got pregnant always in my birthday month. Yeah. And sometimes. You're like, happy birthday. That is so funny. What was the decision to start a family? How did that look for you as an actor who was working a lot? Was that, um, was that scary for you? Did you have apprehensions of like wondering like how long will I be out of work or if you'll take time and all of those things that we think about yeah and so I can also speak to this twofold now because I'll, I'll, I'll explain it more when I tell you the story but my journey to baby three was very different than my journey to baby one and two so I think that'll this will speak to it a bit because me now is going to roll my eyes at what I'm going to say with baby one. Sure. Sure. Having gone through fertility stuff with baby three, I have so much empathy for when people really want to start a family and it's hard. So I'm going to mm-hmm. speak to the beginning part and then it will get me to the end. But for everyone listening, don't roll your eyes. Cause I promise I've been through now. I've worn both hats. <laughs> Hold the eye roll. Hold it, the eye roll. But so I was 30 and I just turned 30. And I remember me and my husband have been together since I was 21. Wow. But we had our adventure. We moved to LA. We had traveled. We'd gone to Europe. We'd spent so much time together. <laughs> yeah. And up and gotten back together. Like we'd been on a, a journey. Um, and I remember, you know, we weren't like financially quite ready, but we were, he had a job. It was, we were, we were still in like a little apartment and mm-hmm. by no means were we like stable, stable to have a baby, but we were we were okay. Like we could do it. Um, and I remember going out for dinner with my husband. I was ready. I was probably ready three years before he was. Mm. 
So at 27, I was probably like, I'm ready to be a mom. Some of my friends, I'm from like the Canadian Midwest, as they call it. So yeah. people just become parents way earlier there. So I had friends that had kids at like 26, 27. So I felt like I was late, even though in these big cities like LA, New York, Miami, I was one of the young, like none of my friends had kids. Yeah. But I, I think there was something in me. I, I, my mom was such a nurturing, great mom. And she showed me that you could balance career and parenthood. My dad too, super doting and really there for me and ran a law practice. And so I had a really good example of what family looked like. And I think I always knew I wanted that. I knew I always wanted a big family and from three, very tight knit. And so I had a ping in me that knew I wanted a big family. Yeah. Um, but I, I understood the circumstances as well that like we weren't quite financially ready and my husband was building his career and I was building mine. But suddenly at 30, it was like this, my ovaries were like, oh my God. And my husband didn't quite get it because men don't get it. When women feel that feeling, I don't know. I think for some women it's overwhelming and it's probably something in our biological clock. That's like, okay. Okay. Um, so I remember taking him, we went for dinner and I looked at him and I was like, how do you feel about trying for a baby? And I think his face turned white. Like, I remember his first thing was, do I still get to golf? Literally. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm lying to him right now, but I was like, yep, totally. Nothing's going to change for you. That's what I said to him. Nothing's gonna change. change. So he's like, okay. And then this is the part, cue the eye roll, where we didn't know anything about anything one time. Got pregnant. Yeah. I remember, like, we were, he was away. I took a pregnant, by the way, didn't know I was pregnant. But then I Googled all these like weird symptoms I was having, and it was like early signs of pregnancy. And I'd been drinking. I like just, yeah. And I took a test. My husband was away. And I flew to meet him and told him and all of it was so scary and new. And again, like we didn't know how any of this worked. We didn't time it. We just tried just to try. And then it happened. Yeah. But that's when I was like, I feel like I was shoved into this, like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking. I am going to not drink caffeine. I'm going to eat well. I am going to like be careful of what I put on my body. I went like crazy. I, I was a mom the minute I found out. I was pregnant. Aww, yeah. And we did it. We loved it. And then with baby two, cue the eye roll again. We had a first time jackpot again. We thought maybe it would take six months. I was still breastfeeding. Yeah. And baby two was actually a bigger adjustment because we had to move out of our little apartment. Financially, we weren't quite ready. It meant a lot for my work because I could bring Ryder one baby to auditions and he was kind of like the card along baby. He came to Whole Foods with me. He came for drinks with me. He was just, it's easy. One. Now yeah. I had a toddler and a, and a baby because they were both under two. I had them really close together. That to me was a big life change. I remember sweating, walking down like Abikini in Venice because we still lived in like a very urban area that wasn't very baby friendly. Like the sidewalk didn't fit my stroller. Oh, no, like it literally didn't. And people would honk on me on the, at the oh. street and my, my double stroller didn't fit in coffee shops. And all of a sudden, like, okay, I can't go and roll into an audition with two babies. Yeah. You have to get a nanny. How does this work? How do I balance these two babies and my job and who I am? And so that's where things for me really changed, but that's also when my work took off. So it was a big balance. And then this is where I say, hold the eye roll. Cause then I really, we really wanted a third and it took 
three years and IVF and all the things, surrogacy to get baby three Earthside. And so I have so much empathy for people that really, really are ready Mm because we weren't ready, ready. I was, but together, like we kind of were, didn't know what we were doing. And, and I, I can see when you really are ready for a baby, how hard fertility and infertility and secondary infertility and all of that can be. Yeah. So I have such empathy for my friends that built families from the get-go that way, because it's not for the faint part. I, I can't imagine. I mean, yeah, you like being able to go through both sides of it is, uh, is interesting that you really get to connect. (laughs) You can really empathize with everyone in the situation. Um, and it's so lovely that you were able to use a surrogate and be able to um, have baby Eden. She's yeah. so beautiful. How did you manage even just like daily scheduling type of things when you were like, because you said like once you had two, that's also when you're like, um, like that's career kind of started yeah. taking off. So how did you, what did that look like because I know usually like when it rains it pours so (laughs) how did you manage that feels like a daze to me because I feel like I created some of my favorite early content me and Haley my comedy partner created a series called shit no one told you out of that time Mm. like a huge six-part series for mom.com that was a big undertaking it was like a whole production then we created like multiple episodes I remember for Lansano that was like when everything took off and I was still working at nylon and I was writing my blog and I was launching my social. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, like I realized I'm one of those people that's better busy. Like I actually get more done when I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. Cause I kind of was like a machine. I have memories like, and then it brought the best comedy. Like I remember pumping in front of Soho house. Cause I had a meeting. I'd come from a shoot and I was pumping and a man, a cute guy walked by the car and then doubled back and looked in and was like, Hey, and then saw I was pumping and kind of was like, mm, no. And like walked away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember like being on set with like the Dakota fanning and Elle fanning and having to go to my camera guy and be like, I'll be back in 10 minutes, you know, like yeah, pumping and sweating in my car in the Hollywood Hills and like spilling the milk everywhere and coming back like gross to the set with all of that. Um, But I feel like I just powered through and did it. And it got me, it got my creative juices going because there was so much going on. And I felt like if I'm going through this, other moms are going through this. And if I can share this through a comedic lens, then hopefully I'm like sharing some of these real struggles that like other people can see themselves in and relate to. So that was kind of my motivator. Yeah. That's where a lot of my like original sketches came out of. Like the whole series shit no one told you was literally like real things and thoughts that were in my head and Haley's head that no one had told us before we became parents. Because she was like Coachella girl before she became a mom. And she's like, why didn't anyone tell me any of this? I'm like, me neither. It's like this weird secret club that everyone tells you like the cute stuff. Mm -hmm. One of our best viewed episodes was sex after baby. No one tells me oh what that's like. No one tells you. Yeah. And I remember being in a mommy and me. And in my head, I was like, 
I'm meeting all my new 12 best friends, like, you know, yeah. and like they'd be the one to raise my hand and ask why sex sucks right now. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to not. I'll just talk about like other things that they're all talking about. But I was dying to ask those questions and be like, does anyone else, anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I feel like that was probably a really great outlet for you to be able to, because <laughs> yeah, if you have those questions, like somebody else has to, and it's easier for us to say it to ourselves. Like, of course, somebody else has it, but can you ask the question instead of me? <laughs> Yeah, like I don't want to be the one to ask this question. <laughs> yeah, but that's so great. That's so much because it really, I mean, the things that we go through are just crazy. So it is funny that it is really nice that you were able to get all of this comedic stuff from it and then also be able to use your own creativity and be on both sides of the camera essentially too so you had you had skin cancer when you were pregnant though so i'm actually doing a campaign about that for skin cancer awareness um i had a non-melanoma basal cell which they're not dangerous per se they can be disfiguring uh -huh. i actually have a friend going through this now who's been very open sharing it on social because she had a huge chunk cut out of her face but i was really young i was 32 i was pregnant with asher um, and I had, honestly, it looked like a little red dot. And when I'm pregnant, I get broken capillaries because the blood volume is high. And so because I'm so fair, I would just get like broken blood vessels and my doctor would just laser them. It was no big deal. And this one on my forehead just didn't go away. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was about 34 weeks pregnant and my dermatologist was like, it's probably nothing, but I, I want to do a tiny little biopsy because we lasered it and it didn't go away and everything else did. Yeah. It looks so benign, but I'm just going to do a little biopsy. I was like, okay. And then I'll never forget. I was with my baby, my other baby, I was pregnant and we were at dinner and I got the call that it was, um, it tested for skin cancer. And she's like, it's not a dangerous, it's not melanoma. So you can wait. She's like, it's very slow growing. Like you have like six, seven months to think about this. Yeah. And I remember just being like, get it out. Like I want it out before I have my baby. I, I work on camera. I just, I want to go back to my life when I'm finished this pregnancy. Yeah. I just wanted it off. Yeah. And so I went under the knife at 36 weeks pregnant with no numbing because they can't put lidocaine on you. Yeah. God. So with, with Mohs surgery, when it's on your face, they do a special surgery called Mohs. And okay. it's to um, keep as much tissue as they can. So they basically take a little bit out make sure they have the margins. And sometimes they have to keep going until they get all of it, but they go slowly. They don't want to take out more than they need because it's your face. On your leg, they would just take a chunk. Yeah. Um, my friend who just had this, they had to go in four times. So it's a very big, that's like a hole like this on your yeah. face. For oh. mine, they had to go in one time. So it was a very small. Yeah. Um, they stitched me up and it was actually on a pre-existing scar that I had from childhood. Oh, Weird, ironic thing is I used to have, you can't see it now. I had an indented scar on my forehead from childhood. Oh. This surgery ended up fixing it. Huh. So she made it look better than it had before, which my worry was I'm now going to have a worse scar than the one I had from childhood. Yeah. But it all ended up okay. But it was, it was a lot to go through with the hormones of pregnancy. And I just felt like I was always covering it because it healed. It took like six months to heal. So it's like, I'm postpartum. I'm 
you know, just getting back to myself, I was really self-conscious about this like red bumpy scar on my forehead. Yeah. Better than the OG one, but it was a lot. And what it taught me, it gave, I mean, I was always pretty good about the sun, but it made me like so aware of like wearing sunscreen every day. We live somewhere where we have sunshine almost every day. Yeah. It got me conscious about teaching my kids about sun care. Yeah. And it definitely gave me a voice and to use my platform every year when it becomes spring, summer to share my story yeah. and help people be sun smart. Cause I think, you know, I like being outside. I play sports. I'm like out with my kids and I think you can enjoy the outdoors in a safe way. So I'm always covered up. Yeah. 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 The older I get, even just like vanity wise, I'm like sunscreen, sunscreen. The sun is the number one aging like thing. I mean, literally any dermatologist will say, yeah, genetics, whatever, but it's like the sun ages you. Yeah. Yeah. Damn that sun. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you had, you were in the, your, you said your smaller apartment when you had, um, our second, well, I was pregnant with our second. Okay. So how did that look for you? Cause, um, as an outsider, it seems like there was a, like a financial shift, if you don't mind me asking, how did that, was that because of, um, just like your work picking up or your husband's, um, I don't know what your husband does. Combo. Like I would say when we both came out here, we started from zero career wise. He's a couple of years older. He works in finance and he had it rough when we first came out here. Like he started at one place, then they closed their doors in 2008. There was a big recession. Then he went to another place and he got let go when my, when my first son was six months old. Oh, wow. So he had no job. I was a working actor somewhat. And we were living in very month to month in this like tiny little place. Um, It was in Venice, which was really cool, but we really couldn't afford to move anywhere bigger. Like really couldn't, it would have been a big stretch. And I guess when I got pregnant with baby two, we were, we were not ready. Like you're never ready, but (laughs) we thought it would take longer. He had just started his own company. Okay. That's becoming a really big deal. But at the time it was, it was like two dudes in an office. Like it was, I mean, they were barely making money and now he has a baby, me, and I'm pregnant again. And it meant we had to move because we were in a tiny, tiny two bedroom that was already like, we had a stroller in the kitchen, a little push car in the kitchen. Like there was, I remember I was 32 weeks pregnant and my mom and I started unpacking the baby clothes from my other son. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we hadn't thought about it. And I remember being like, we had nowhere to go. Like, there's nowhere to put this. There's nowhere to put another baby. We, we hadn't thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember messaging him and being like, I think I have to go look at places. And our budget really didn't allow for anything much nicer or bigger we ended up finding a house that we rented for years for the next five years where we had our two kids and until we bought and it was a tiny little Spanish style small but enough room for the two boys the oldest kitchen you could ever imagine honestly like (laughs) the season the laundry machine broke down every day we ended up having a leak under the house like but, but I loved it and it was home and I wrote a letter to the owner because the rent was $2,000 more than we could afford. And I wrote a letter being like, 
it was really sentimental. I used all my writing tools. Yeah. I want to raise our family here. We picture having all these memories here. And it really tugged at the guy's heartstrings and he gave us the house. Oh. This guy used to come by weekly for tea. I'm Aww. not even, yeah, he was older. <laughs> I made that. And then my husband's company grew during that time and my work grew. And we were able to, we saved and then bought our first house right before the pandemic. So yeah. very different circumstances where we welcomed our third. Um but yeah, we really had a lot of years of like struggle, um, building our careers while starting a family, yeah. um, very different fields. And so it, it kind of makes you enjoy the highs a little more when you really do struggle in the lows. I don't know if I would have appreciated it as much if it would have been really easy. Right. Um, well, that gives me an idea. Maybe I should write letters to be <laughs> I mean, really. starting to look at places because <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, and I, man, what good timing if you were able to get the house before the pandemic. Thank God, yeah. right? Mortgage rates. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, then for you, since you've kind of been th through the gambit of like f financial um, ups and downs of and with children what has been what has been like the biggest difference that you've seen um in yourself in your kids in um just what because I know like everyone says it's like money can't buy you happiness but what have you what differences have you seen or are there really many I always say, I, I've been teaching my kids the same mantra, which like my parents taught me. And I learned it from a young age because we had family friends growing up that were extremely wealthy in Toronto. And mm -hmm. I remember when the, the man, the father, the helm of the family got really sick. And my dad looked at me, I was 11. And he's like, I just want you to see, like we'd go visit him. He was older and we'd go visit him every Sunday and keep him company. Cause my dad felt really close to him. This guy had been friends with his father. And my dad said, you know, this man, he's like, he has everything, but his money can't buy his health. And I remember, and it, and he said, he has love, money can't buy love, money can't buy happiness and money can't buy health. He's like, this man has happiness and love, but he doesn't have his health. And I remember it was like this amazing lesson as a really young kid. Yeah. And it was the values that my parents kind of like instilled in me. And my husband had very similar values. And so I feel like even though things financially have changed, for our kids, for us, and Eden's growing up very differently than my boy did. It, like yeah. in house and like we have help now. That's I'd say that's maybe the biggest thing. And I think help can look different in different ways. Mm -hmm. I've learned that as a mom, whatever your financial restrictions are, whether you have family nearby that can help for free, I think letting go of the I have to do it all and delegating and being okay to delegate. I let go. I, I was not good at that with my first two. A, we couldn't. Yeah. And B, I didn't feel comfortable. So when I suddenly could, it was hard for me. And I'd say the easiness of having a little more financial freedom now with a third and at this stage of our lives is just not having to do it all and really being able to delegate. But at the same time, like it does, it can't change relationships, health, happiness. And so I feel like if anything, I'm trying harder to instill these values in my kids 
Sure. And I think in LA in general, there's just so much of so much. Mm-hmm. And where I grew up, there wasn't as much. We were a big city, but we were a really small community. And I just feel like the exposure to things wasn't as much back in Toronto. And so I'm trying to instill the values that like we grew up with to my kids here. And I'm even sending them back to summer camp in Canada so they can have oh, nice. different friends that aren't growing up in this part of the world and yeah. just something different. And again, for us, like we teach our kids, um, like about giving back during the holidays, um, teaching them what like the real world looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's nice to hear. Um, and they'll get all those different experiences. And of course, like how you raise your kid is more important than what, what you raise them with, I guess, for yeah. sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. How did you, I, since you weren't, um, like you said, like you didn't really have the help when with the first two boys, um, how, how was that transitioning into having help now, even just like finding someone that you, that you trust. We have a very interesting journey with our story. It kind of all like worked out as I say, but when I had Ryder, my first, we decided that we would get someone two days a week, which is not easy to find, but I was on this like Yahoo group that I don't even know if it's around anymore. (laughs) And I went on and said, Hey, looking to nanny share, because we couldn't afford anything more than that. But because my husband was working crazy hours, we thought two days a week would give me a chance to like just take a break. We didn't have any family. So I didn't have a mom that could like come over and let me nap. Like the days I was on, I was on 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And so those two days were like nine to five. It let me go and get groceries. It let me go get a manicure. It let me take a walk on my own. It let me nap. And so we found somebody, she came for the interview. I remember my mom was in town still at, right after the baby was born Um, she was wonderful and we shared her with another family and now fast forward 11 years later she's our full-time nanny we transitioned two days a week to three days a week to full-time um yeah so I feel like it was this gradual there wasn't a change we built trust um she's like part of the family and Mm -hmm. you know my parents do come and visit sometimes and my mother-in-law but we don't count on anyone else for childcare because no one lives here. Sure. And she's someone that we've counted on, honestly, like when we've been sick, I remember we had COVID and she like, just all of it. Um, the kids adore her, her family, we know her whole family, they babysat. And so mm-hmm. yeah, that we kind of have had the same person, but it transitioned from very, very part-time to very full-time. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. So they have, that's such a good consistency for them yeah. too. Cause I know, especially in LA where, you know, so many nannies or babysitters are actors and they're, which I've been consistently with families, but I know that it's hard to keep that. So that's awesome. It depends on the age of your kids. Like now that would work for us, I guess, because sure. sometimes like when your kids are older, you almost want like a mom's helper or like someone to play sports with them or drive them around. Yeah. But I feel like our nanny can do both and toggle like, cause we have a baby and then two elementary school kids who just really need rides and like, yeah. <laughs> and home yeah. um, but we did use an agency as well to fill in the gaps. Um, my friend owns the nanny league. Oh, 
I was, I went through there. Love her. And so she funny. me so much because we were struggling at the very beginning yeah. and she helped so much. And so we found amazing people through her. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's a great company. I went in and interviewed with them and like, they were great. They have like, there are so many like great opportunities and just the way that they find people is really awesome. When, uh, right now then, what would you say has been, um, like your, your lifesaver that's just like helping you get through at the moment? So I would say in all my parenting things I've learned, I feel like I've earned some badges. Um, and I, you know, my friend Denise Vossi says this well, she's made her whole platform about this. It's self-care, whatever that looks like for you as a mom. I'm someone that recharges with alone time. I actually learned it during the pandemic. I'm extroverted, but I must be an extroverted introvert because I recharge with alone time. That could mean I'm going on a girl's trip, but guess what? I'm going to take my own car because that two hour drive is a recharge for me before I'm about to be on for the weekend. It could mean I'm going to take a 30 minute foot massage at the spa down the road. That's $30. It's not expensive, but it's my 30 minutes where someone's rubbing my feet mm-hmm. and I don't have to think. It could mean locking the door to my bedroom and binge watching a new show or reading a book. I love podcasts. I sit, I take a bath every night. Oh, wow. When my kids go to bed, I run a bath. I sometimes put on a podcast or I go through TikToks and that's my time. And I think I used to feel bad about those moments. And now that I am seasoned, (laughs) I honestly, for me, that's how I am recharged. Yeah. Uh, I would give any mom or parent that advice, like whatever that looks like for you, a walk anything. It doesn't have to be long, maybe a five minute meditation in the morning, something that centers you and something that gives you that recharge. It could be socializing. It's it's different for everyone. Yeah. For me. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's what I learned along the way. I think I learned it in 2020 and I really tried to implement it and protect that time as I would protect a meeting. Yeah. Do you, do you think that also is part of what helps you keep your like creative juices flowing. Cause I know just being a mom by itself is so exhausting. So how do you continue to find that those keep those creative juices and your passion going? Not always there. I mean, I think <laughs> every mom who's a creative can say this, you ebb and flow. And sometimes I get inspired by the most unexpected things. Um, I always keep a running notepad in my phone. So I write down things throughout the day. Sometimes I push myself to shoot on a day that I don't feel like it. Um, sometimes there's days where I don't want to be creative and I just want to sit in motherhood and be present with my kids and be at soccer and not think about work. So I think I really just lean into wherever I am and I'm okay with it. Obviously like with work, I have deadlines and things like that, but for the most part, I kind of, when I'm feeling creative, I lean into that. And when I'm feeling like I just need a break, I lean into that. And I kind of, that's awesome. Well, I know our time is very precious. So I will let you go, but thank you so much for being on the podcast. And it's been so good talking to you and we got to get our girls together. Love that. Can we? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm always around. (laughs) for having me. Yeah, of course. We'll talk soon.
And that's our episode. Thank you so much to my guest and a special thank you to my producer, Cecilia Tripp with Laurel Canyon Creative. And thank you to Edith Mudge for our theme music. And I hope you enjoyed having a look into Mommywood. Don't forget to follow Mommywood Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And please give us a nice review and a few stars while you're at it. We would appreciate it so, so much. And take care. I need to the right my butt.